I'm Mitchell Tinley, and welcome to Triple MMA. On today's show, we catch up with two of Australia's rising stars. Our king finally returns, and we get two more fights added to the UFC Perth card. But first, we answer the age-old question of... What did the five fingers say to the face? (laughs) What? Slap! The Power Slap League, endorsed by the UFC, is a real... Look, I've got to say it. Slap in the face. And although shocking, considering all the UFC has done to legitimise itself over the last 30 years, you can't knock them on the drama behind it. Welcome to Power Slap from the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. This sport that we're about to be in, it will be up there with boxing, it'll be up there with karate, and I'll be able to be a pioneer within this sport. I've been through a lot in my life, growing up on the streets, so I deal with whatever comes. You know, so I want somebody that thinks they have something that come feel all this rage and all this pain in this hand, because I will put it in their face. I guess you've got to hand it to them. They are the best at promoting oh! in the world. I wonder who will represent Australia. Larry, what the hell are you doing? Larry! Larry, you can't do Coming soon to Fox to Ow! Time! Aussie Jamie Malarkey has found a new opponent for UFC 284 in Perth, taking on Argentinian prospect Francisco Prado. Don't cry for me, Argentina. The highly touted Latin American is looking to be tested early for his debut against the Hooligan, who is coming off a fight of the night performance back in July. Malarkey is more than likely going to be looking to do more damage to a Prado than a mum dropping off kids at soccer practice. Prado, at 20 years old, is eight years Malaki's junior. And speaking of junior... Wait for it! The UFC have announced they've signed Justin Tuffer's brother, Junior Tuffer. Nice one, Mitch. Junior is a 26-year-old, highly sought-after talent, currently boasting an undefeated MMA record. He will take on American Austin Lane at UFC 284. It's showtime! Now heading over to the other side of the world and King Casey O'Neill will take on Jennifer Meyer at UFC 286 in London. If you want me to be the bad guy, then f*** you, I'll be the bad guy! The Aussie fighter, born in Scotland, fighting out of Vegas, will look to continue her quest for gold as she returns from a devastating knee injury that cost her nearly a year of her career. The 25-year-old steps back in the cage on March 18th. Heading around the grounds and more news on the Eternal MMA 73 card as Stephen Astro Boy Ursig makes his return to the cage after having his contender series bout canned due to visa issues. He will instead take on Japanese standout Suichiro Hidari, where the former Eternal Flyweight champ will be looking to regain his momentum for the big show, which surely will have UFC brass in attendance. Heading over to Hex Fight Series, who have announced two more title fights for their Feb 24 card in Melbourne, with Nikos Trepka taking on Lucas the Lycan Kachubik for the 70-kilo belt, and Siang Jun Lee, who takes on Ricky the Barbarian Bichan for the heavyweight crown. Tickets in the live stream are available via the Hex website at www.hexfightseries.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for our first of two interviews. Both of these men have made their way to the UFC through the Dana White Contender Series, which is a tryout-based fight show where athletes are invited to compete for a chance to perform on a UFC card in the future. Both Jack Jenkins and Shannon Ross had an interesting journey as Jack Jenkins put on a dominant display, earning a contract with a win back in September, where Shannon Ross, our first 
first guest actually came up with a contract in a unique situation, losing his fight. But after a gutsy performance, UFC boss Dana White was made aware of Shannon fighting with acute appendicitis. Shannon Ross is a 33-year-old, 13-6 fighter hailing from Gold Coast in Queensland. He's held multiple Australian titles across multiple organisations. He's fought in many different countries all around the world. The Turkish Delight is one of the toughest men that we have ever produced. Ladies and gentlemen, Shannon Ross. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Now, I am super excited uh, to see you finally get the recognition you deserve because, mate, you've been at this for 12 years. How does it feel to finally get that UFC contract signed and you get to step in the octagon? Yeah, it's, it's massive. It's like the validation of all the hard work and all that time and effort and dedication Getting that signature on a on a fight contract here at home for two eighty four in Perth is uh yeah it's massive it means the world yeah up until about two three fights ago you had that tough loss against uh, Stephen Ursig who in his own right will probably end up in the UFC as well like what does a loss do like do to you in that stage of your career at I think you're thirty three now so you would have been about 31, 32. did it did it derail yep. you at all um, no nah, not 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 at all not that one not really not any losses have really derailed me at all it's not it's not who I am as a person and that's not really how I think um, the things that were derailing me were was a little bit due to the pandemic and COVID related issues and not being able to get fights and that sort of aspect. Um, other than that, yeah, it's, it's always back to the drawing board and on a, any given night, anyone can sort of win a fight. So on, on my, on my behalf of for that fight, I was probably not the best prepared and coming off a month holiday in Japan, I sort of probably shouldn't have fought, but as fighters, that's what we do. And we, we sort of try, try to push ourselves to the, the most extreme extents. And yeah, that one, I didn't come away with the win, but we got back to the drawing board and here we are now. Are you noticing on um, the regional scene, are guys starting to pick their opponents a little bit more or is everyone just willing to fight anyone? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely like that a bit these days. Like, obviously when I first started fighting 12, 13 years ago, you, you didn't have a choice because yeah. there was no one to pick. <laughs> you got an, you got an offer and you went and fought that guy. Like for me, my second or third fight, I was fighting guys with 15 fights. There were well known high level Australian pros at the top of the ranks. And that's how I sort of come up through the, through the early days. And yeah, now there's a little bit of picking and choosing and sitting on the sidelines waiting for those perfect fights and the ones that sort of elevate people and get them to where they want to go. But yeah, I guess it's just a part of the game. Now, when it comes to uh, say the money on the regional scene, have you seen it change over the last 12 years? No, nah, not at all. It's, <laughs> it's, on, <laughs> it's, it's actually it's actually on par with exactly how it was. Really? Like when I fought for my first Australian title, probably on Nitro, I got paid the same as defending my last Australian titles four, five, six years apart. So there's there's been no growth in the pay and the in that aspect of things. But um I think what's starting to happen is the sport is becoming that more mainstream and that more more look to sport for advertisement of companies and sponsorship yeah. sort of possibilities. So if you're smart, if you're if you're business orientated in that aspect, you can sort of bring sponsors in and try to get a little bit more financial support that way. I guess that, that kind of answers my next question of like, how do you think guys 
can get more money, how we can get more money into the sport on the regional scene? Yeah, obviously, obviously first it comes from our regional promoters and who they can bring in as big sponsors. Like we all know that the NRL has the Telstra Premier League and Telstra is obviously paying them millions of dollars and yeah. that funnels back down into clubs and players and all that sort of thing. So I think the first thing is there, if promoters can build big sponsorships and stuff like that and then that can funnel back down into fighter pay. But yeah, you got to be smart. you got to be out there and you've, you've got to, you got to be a business now. Like for, for fighters coming up, they've got to look at themselves as their own business. So when you do when you do promote yourself well, you can get these other businesses to jump on board and use them as financial support in that sense. You have actually, uh, you've run your like social media very well over the last couple of years, uh, speaking of acting like a business, to the point where you even got a nice little hashtag going. Uh, well, it was TD4UFC, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, correct. And yep. how, yeah, so. uh, yeah, how many people got on board? Like, how? What's the brainchild behind, behind that? Yeah, like, obviously, we want to be in in the face of the UFC and trying to, to like, I've never had anything, I've never been afraid to say that's where I want to fight and that's where I want to be. So if you don't tell them and you don't show them, <laughs> you're not going to get picked, right? You're not going to, they're not even going to know you're going to exist, especially us guys down here in Australia. We're so far away. <laughs> we're, we're, we're on the, we're, we're almost in a different world. <laughs> so it's like to to stay pushing and stay relevant and obviously your fights speak the most, but to be in the to be in their eyes is, is a big thing. And for guys coming up, yeah, you gotta you gotta somehow stay like in that limelight sort of aspect if that's where you want to go. Now you ultimately uh, got into the UFC through this uh, very new uh, invention to the game, Dana White Contender Series. How did that fight become about? Because it's essentially a, for people that don't know, it's essentially like a tri- like a tryout, and if you you Correct. win or, or you you perform, um, we'll go into that a little bit later on. Uh, you might get a UFC contract, and you might get to fight in the UFC. So how did the technical tryout even come about? Yeah, correct. So. It is. It's a. Uh, it's a tryout. It's a. It's a job interview, if you per se. It's um. It's probably the coolest, most epic job interview you could ever do <laughs> on this planet. Like, there's no other place you can go try to secure a job by fist fighting another human being. So, it's a. Uh, it's a pretty cool, cool way to do it. Um. So 2019, when Rob Whitaker and Israel Adesanya first fought in Melbourne. I went down to Melbourne, had a sit down with Mick Maynard and they wanted to sign me back then. Oh, wow. And then so I had a good sit down and a good chat and then mapping some stuff out. And then obviously early 2020, COVID kicked off and that sort of put a big halt on everything because you would know the the Australian COVID restrictions yeah. and our, our quarantine and our shutdowns and our, we were just, we were so it was so controlled over here and it was so over the top that they pretty much said like, dude, we're not touching anyone from Australia right now. Yeah. So it was like, man, that was like a little bit soul crushing because after 11, 12 years, I was like, I'm almost like I'm there. Yeah. I'm talking to Mick. I'm having a sit down. And then to get told like, well, you're just going to have to wait until this sort of all pans out and fizzes out. Um, was a bit, was a bit uh, demoralizing, but like I've always been just back on the back on the track and keep working and keep progressing and 
we uh we took a fight in Abu Dhabi with my manager Daniel Rubenstein from Ruby Sports. He teed that up, and that was on UAE Warriors. And then that was like I fought a guy coming straight out of Contender Series, so he would have been in one of the first or second se- seasons. Okay. So. I um I put him away and then Denny pretty much said like look if we can get another fight or another two back home and cement some good another win another two good wins like we'll be able to get into the UFC and then obviously he also said we could try the track of the contender series as well when they come back around the next season and then obviously last the last previous season to the one I fought on was obviously during COVID. So that was pretty much like, yeah, we're not doing it. <laughs> um, so that was sort of a shutout there. And then at the start of the year, I took a fight against Sean Etchell. We were going to fight for yep. the flyweight title on Eternal again. Um, and literally like at the start of the year, it's funny because I was, I was ready to hang it up then at the start of the year. I said to like my wife, like, look, I'm ready to, I think I've give it all. I've given it all. I've, yeah, like I wow. was I was pretty much ready to like because of the, the COVID thing, right? Like I got ready for a couple of different fights and then it was like lockdown, the yep. events cancelled, we can't go ahead with it. So I just wasted eight weeks taking time off work, losing money, yeah. don't even get the fight. Um so then at the start of the year come around, it was like early mid January and I was like, Yeah, I think I'm done. Like <laughs> We don't know when we're like we don't know when COVID's going to finish. We don't know when the world's getting back to normal. We don't know what's going on. Um, I was like, I think I'm done. I think I'm going to start. Like I give it my all. I'm, I'm happy with what I've accomplished. And like obviously at that point, and then she just said to me like, No, nah, you're not allowed to like retire yet. She's like, Everyone else is sac- like you fight and you sacrifice and you do the training, but we also sacrifice your time and the kids miss you and like all that sort of. So that made sense to me. And I said, All right, well, like, what do we do? She said, Just book another fight, book whatever fight you can get. We spoke to Cam from Eternal. The Sean Etchell match, match come up. Um, that's obviously that fight excites me. That, ex- yeah. that got me like really pumped. Sean's like, he's, I actually really like Sean. He's a good kid. Um, obviously very highly skilled. He was the Bantamweight champion at the time, I'm pretty certain. He wanted to come down to flyweight, back to flyweight. And I was super, super happy and eager to welcome him there. So we signed the fight and literally like a, maybe a week after, like the world's fully opening back up. It's like, yeah, there's no international travel bans and there's no this, there's no quarantine when you get home anymore. Yeah. And then, yeah, Danny rings me and says, hey, mate, I've got your contract on the Contender Series. <laughs> like, it's all ready to go. They want to fly you over in May, do media, do all your medical, do check everything over, and then you'll be fighting in August. And I was like, man, it's just crazy how the world pushes you to the, yeah. to the brink of almost quitting to next minute giving you what you've been working for your whole life yeah it's like that uh that meme on the internet where the guy stops digging and then the diamonds literally yeah, like right exa- there exactly man that's exactly how i try to explain this to people like right when you're ready to go like red ready to give it all up someone will allow and give you that opportunity to get to where you want to go but it's funny though because in it's the moment just, just got to keep going yeah in the moment though you feel like you're like because insanity is that whole like uh, doing the same yeah. thing, expecting different results. And so in that moment, you're like, nah, I'm sacrificing everything. And what if, because some guys, some guys do keep going and it, it, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't pan out. I mean, you would know a, a fair few guys that it just hasn't worked out for. 
hundred percent. Yeah, it's like it is a. It's a very. Uh, it's a very small percentage of guys that really do make the UFC and that that top echelon of the sport. And I've seen, yeah, I could say hundreds of guys that have. That's their dream, and that's where they want to go. And it's just they've slogged it out for years and years and years, and then yeah, you just it just the line, the stars don't line up. So for me, luckily we are uh, yeah we we come around away with a contender series contract, and then obviously the performance there got me over the line to get a yeah. get a get a late contract in hospital. So yeah, I was gonna say, mate, this is this is one of the things that uh, people either don't know and a hundred percent should. Many guys that get on the Dana White Contender Series, uh, they might not, like, they'll win their fight, but it's boring. Or they're just just giving out enough contracts that day and they don't get a contract. You actually lost your fight and got a contract. Explain how that is possible. Yeah, so I think off the top of my head, I haven't done all, I've looked over all the seasons, but I'm one of, I think the only or one of very few to get a, get a contract after losing. So that's a pretty surreal feeling to obviously have Dana come in the cage after the fight. And like what he was saying to me was like, man, he, he was saying like, you're right there, brother. Like he goes, that was an <laughs> epic, insane fight. And he goes, that's what we run this contender series for. That's what we do that. Cause we want to showcase the next big stars and the next exciting guys and he goes you come in here and you laid it all out on the line he goes you got hurt in the first you could have been safe and like stole the second and third and maybe walk away for split decision but he goes that's not you he goes you went out he goes you tried to put him away he goes we'll be he goes we'll be chatting mate he goes one or maybe one more four we'll get you back here like we'll chat and i was like all right (laughs) and then yeah obviously everything that i went through like leading up to the fight and fight week itself and obviously going straight from the fight to hospital to get the surgery. And then I think them realizing how I fought in the condition I was in, they were like, man, give this dude a contract. <laughs> hey? Like if any, if anyone's earned anything, this guy's fucking earned a chance. So. Uh, for those who don't know, you had, uh, it was a, a emergency surgery cause you had acute appendicitis. Did you know going in to the fight? <laughs> it's funny, man, because <laughs> like, as fighters, we try to push all this stuff to the back of our head, right? Like, nah, my stomach's not sore. I'm just hungry. Like, nah, it's not that. It's not this. It's so like, even even before I left Australia, I was sort of like getting a bit of a sore stomach. And like, it's funny looking back now. There was like about six weeks out from the fight. I actually drove myself to the hospital because I had real bad stomach pain. And then I sat in the hospital in the emergency room for like four hours. And there was so many people there. And then I just got up and left because I was like, I'm not waiting any longer. Oh. And then the stomach pain went away. So like I got through camp, got all that done. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it was. It could have been like the start of it, but, um, and then, yeah, obviously fire week and having that stomach pain and you just, oh, I've got to cut weight soon. I'm on a low calorie diet right now. I'm not putting a lot of fuel in my body. So I'm just thinking, yeah. My stomach's sore. I'm hungry. I need food. I want to. I want to eat some food. Like that's all I'm thinking. And then we can't wait. Rehydrate. Feel real good. The next, like the morning of the fight, we have like a little hit out and a warm up. And I, um, I had Ben Newen there. Ben Ten. Yeah. He was previous UFC flyweight. So he was in. Uh, he was in the states at the time. So I flew him out to Vegas and got him to come out and just do the fight week with me and. 
have someone my size there and a body who, of a good caliber and someone that's sort of familiar with the whole process of the UFC week sort of sort of thing. Um, and we're warming up and he put a body triangle on me from my, oh. on my back and squeeze it down this right side and I got a super, super sharp pain. And like I got him to let it go and I hopped up. I, at first, I thought it was like my lower rib sort of like popped off yeah. a bit from the body triangle. And then I moved around. I went, oh, I'm all, I'm all good. I was like, hey, we'll keep warming up. But I think that pressure, that sort of triangle squeeze on my abdomen was the appendix rupturing. So I think that's when it ruptured or the morning of the fight. And then, yeah, obviously, I've still got a job to do. I can't. I'm already in Vegas. I'm not... Um, I'm not letting this chance slip. So yeah, you know Chill people. Out day, you know people ready for the fight. You know people die, right? I just go, like people yeah, die well, from that. Yeah, I I uh, I didn't know at the time, right? So it's funny because like post fight we uh we go to the hospital and we we get a check out and then I was all good post fight. So yeah, they sent us home, had some food. And I woke up the next morning, like I had a burger and some wings or something from where we were staying at the, the fighter hotel. And I woke up in the morning and my stomach was huge. It was like bloated, like real big. And I was like, man, my body didn't like that burger. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then I, I actually, I, at first I actually thought I did what Rob Whitaker did, like had an obstructed bear. Yeah. Cause it was up, like my stomach was so big. It was just, blo- and I was like, maybe that food hasn't gone through. And then we waited and waited a couple of hours. And then like, I just, I started getting the shakes and I was oh, wow. trembling and I was in bed and my, uh, one of my coaches, he said, all right, like that's enough. We'll get you down to the hospital. We'll get you checked out. <laughs> so he we went in there, got a CT scan and the, the doctor that does like the UFC events, he, we were at the same hospital he runs. So he come back and he goes, mate, that was a crazy fight last night. <laughs> he's like wrapped. He's like, you bloody Australians are mad. He's, <laughs> he's going on about it, loving it. And I was like, man, I'll love to chat to you about this fight, but I don't feel like I'm dying. Like, can you help me? So, yeah, get a CT scan. He comes back goes, mate, you've got a ruptured appendix. He goes, that's bloody insane. And then, like, obviously getting back to it, yeah, I didn't know people died. But the nurse come in and she said, oh, do you know Houdini? And I was like, oh, the dude that does, like, the crazy escapes yeah. and, like, all that sort of stuff. I said, yeah, I sort of know him. She goes, yeah, he died from appendicitis. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, that's when it sort of hit me and, sh- like, shocked me. And then, yeah, straight in for the surgery and get it get it fixed up. And, oh. yeah, wild, wild ride. Mate, that – and that – what's funny is that that sums you up uh, completely. It's just like it doesn't matter what you're going through. You're going to show up. You're going to put on fight of the night. And that's what I'm excited to see you now. Do that on the world stage. Now, mate, we're almost out of time. I know you're a very busy man, but before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you this question. After yep. after this is all said and done, how does Shannon Ross want to be remembered? And to be honest, I just want to be remembered as the guy that give it all. He was a, a proud family man and looked after his wife and kids and, yeah, chased his dream with full intent and, didn't take any backward steps and didn't didn't dismiss any challenges and just just went forward and chased and tried to achieve everything he had his had had his goals set to and his mind on. So yeah, awesome. 
Uh, Shannon Ross, mate, like I said, thanks for taking the time. Um, I can't wait to see uh, you really shine. Uh, and please don't fight through any more uh, life-changing <laughs> illnesses. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can't catch appendicitis twice, so we're, we're looking good for this one. Love it, mate. Thank you. Awesome, my man. Cheers, heaps. What an incredible chat with Shannon Ross. Of course, you can follow Shannon at Shannon Ross MMA on Instagram, or you can check him out on UFC Fight Pass. February 12th, UFC 284 in Perth. And now, our next guest, Far Jack Jenkins, is a 10 and 2 fighter out of the renowned Absolute MMA in Melbourne, Victoria. He's a multiple belt holder and one of the most complete fighters Australia has to offer. He'll be competing against Don Shanus at UFC Perth, and he looks to show why he's Australia's next great featherweight. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure. Please welcome. Jack Jenkins. Thank you very much for having me. Now, I am very excited to see you finally get to step foot in the UFC because I've been watching you for a very long time. Uh, you've absolutely dominated the uh, the regional scene. How does it feel to sort of be, I guess, solidified now in the sport? Yeah, it feels awesome. I think, um, you know, everyone who starts in MMA, the end goal is to get to the UFC. Um, and some people end up in different organizations and stuff, but I, I don't think many people are growing up saying, you know, I can't wait to fight in Bellator or, or that sort of thing, even though that does happen. So um, just to get the chance to fight on the UFC card and um, be part of the company moving forward is huge. Mate, if you throw jabs the way you just did then, you'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Um, it's Bellator. <laughs> now, you, you came in through... A, a, a new way into the UFC with the Dana White's Contender Series. Now, can you? I'm, I'm assuming you had to explain it to a few people. Uh, how did you explain it to perhaps like your parents, your friends, and family? Of you were in the UFC, but not really. Yeah, nah. The way I explained it um, was that um, you know it, it, when you go, if you go to the army and you go to basic training, they they shave everyone's head and they give everyone like the same shitty clothes that aren't branded and you don't have a rank or anything yet. It's almost like you're a maggot, like you're not actually in the army yet. That was the contender series vibe. In saying that, they treated us pretty well, but the vibe was like, no, 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 you're not in the UFC yet. This isn't the UFC. This is basic training this is your chance to get in the ufc and in doing that they kind of make it like a bit of a pressure cooker like they put you in the apex um they there's no crowd all that sort of stuff so they make it a pressure cooker and and see who's going to stand up and who's going to perform in it did you notice that when you walked in they were like get in there maggot and then when you came out they were like oh mr jenkins so nice you got a contract yeah (laughs) no like it was it was more like oh you're not allowed to use the performance institute Oh, really? Um, you're here, yep. And all the contracting and all the branding and all the clothes and everything, none of it was UFC. It was all either blank branded or contender series branded. Um, and then once once you got the contract, literally the next day, go to the Performance Institute, you're getting a tour from Forrest Griffin, you're allowed to get all your food there, you're allowed to do all your training there. So it was very much like fight for your chance, but once you've got it, you're part of the company, welcome, and, and then – you know, since then you just get looked after really well. That's kind of cool. It's like it's like the the, the dangling of, of a carrot. Um, can you put yourself in the shoes of someone that like perhaps the guy that you fought that kind of got that got that close, but then now doesn't get a contract? Like, do you think you'd be like, would that make you hungrier? 
Um, it could, or it could go the other way. I don't know what the case is. Um, you know, I spoke to a journalist from the other side of the world not long ago, and he said that um, the guy I thought Freddie has got some really good offers now from other major promotions because, you know, of a bit of exposure he's got from that. So that's good. Um, but as for everyone else, yeah, I don't know. My goal was always UFC or nothing. So um, I had a conversation with my sister that as the night before the fight, and she just kind of made an offhand comment. She goes, oh, you know, this time tomorrow, your life could be completely different or it could just be the same. And I was like, oh, sweet. Thanks for that. Uh, and no, it won't be the same. It'll be a lot worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, now that you bring that up, how much has your life changed? Um, like some things have changed, like uh, fairly drastically. Um, you know, planning for the future is now like really different. Um you know, you, you're planning like for UFC fights and UFC events going overseas and stuff. Whereas before that, it was always, you know, I've got to get this fight so I can give myself a chance to get onto contenders or be a backup for a fighter if somebody gets injured on a UFC show. Whereas now that I'm in, I have a little bit more control over, you know, I've, okay, I can fight in these months, I can get this many fights and, and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, just little things like, yeah, um, you know, having a little bit less financial stress. I don't have to work as much anymore and that sort of thing, which is good. But the basics are all the same. You still get up during camp and you go to the gym in the morning and you train for two hours and then you come home and you chill for a bit and then you go back and train again for two hours at night and it's it's all the same shit, mate. It's just you're doing it under a different banner. Do you feel like you've got, uh, not obviously not a target in the gym on your back, but like people go, okay, this guy's, this guy's now a UFC fighter. That means I am if I can beat him. Like, Do you feel that? Um, no, nah, not really. Cause I, I've had the same training partners for probably the last four or five years, float, obviously with different people floating in and out. Um, and the only people that kind of would do that are the guys who are really new and we have our sparring split. We have like pro team sparring and then the amateur team sparring. So I don't, I don't spar much with the amateur guys. It's more so other guys who I've been training with for years. So we're just doing the same shit that we've done. And, you know, I get my licks from them and I, and they get their licks from me every now and then. So, um, again, it's more of the same. Now you speak about, uh, getting ready for fights overseas. Your first UFC fight is, uh, is in Australia. Uh, is that, is that something that excites you? Cause you get to fight in front of, you know, essentially like Perth will, will adopt you. <coughs> Uh, as an Australian, uh, 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 seeing as you're a Melbournean, or would you rather the experience of going to Vegas? Um, no, I'm happy. I'm really happy to be fighting in Perth, to be honest. Um, you know, I don't know if if there would be so much of a of a hometown thing. Like, if I was fighting in Melbourne, that would be a completely different story. Like, I'm a I'm a real Melbourne centric person. You know, I love this city and and that sort of stuff. So, you know, I'll let the Perth boys like Jack Dallas is going to be on the card and he's the king of Perth. So I'll let him sort of soak up the, the hometown boy vibes over there. And, you know, Volk will be getting it because he's the champ. So everyone will get behind him, but I'll get my turn when they come back to Melbourne, which I know they will soon. That's, that's going to be a huge one for me. And unfortunately, you have beaten some Perth people on the way up, so you might not be everyone's favorite. Yeah, yeah you might, I, might get, I might get some backlash from that. You're pretty popular over there. <laughs> no, mate, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'll, I'll put in a good word. Uh, now, do, you know, do you know much about your opponent, uh, Don Shanus? Is it, is it one of those ones where it's like, I'm watching all the tape, I want to study him, I want to know all his fights, the guys that fought him, or are you just kind of going, no, I'm worrying about what I'm doing? Um, no, nah, so it's a bit of both. Um, 
basically I have my things that I do really well and I, and I work on them constantly. And then my coaches have watched his film and I let them watch it first before I kind of watch any. And then they give me their notes and go, Hey, this is the stuff that he does well. And this is where we think he's a little bit open for certain things. And then I'll go through and watch and try and see the same stuff that they've seen. So you know, watch for this right hand and, and he leaves himself open on this step or, or whatever, or he uses this sweep from butterfly guard or he uses this X guard or whatever when he's trying to get up off his back. Um, and then we just, we program in some specific stuff around that um, into our training, but it's, yeah, you, you get in there and whoever controls the distance wins fights. That's, that's how it works. So you got to get in there and you can game plan all you want in the world. But if he gets his distance and starts working at it before I get mine, then it's going to be trouble for me. But I'm pretty good at getting the distance first. Now, it was an interesting uh, way uh, that you got into the, like as in getting the UFC contract, because uh, you would tout it as more of a, you know, more of a stand up guy. You chose to grapple and do what you had to do. And uh, Dana White even said on a normal show, he might not have given you the contract, but he was just feeling good that night. How does, how does that feel? Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I'm here now. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, he was all right. Like when we went out the back, like I've sort of got to, I I sort of just took it and run with it. He just called me a one. He said, Jack was a one trick pony. Um, Cause I hit the same, you know, I hit the same takedown a few times and then I was just dominating the half guard. Um, but I think, you know, everyone who, who who watches a lot of fighting could see that, you know, you can only deal with what, what, what yeah. you're given. And he, he just played a very safe game. And our game plan from what we had seen was we expected that once we got the takedown, he was going to go back to his wrestling base and he would turn and give his back and then I'd be able to get a submission. But he just made no attempts to turn. So I just had to cut, try and get my elbows off and get some ground and pound off when I could. But even then he was he was playing fairly conservative which makes it hard if you're going in there to fight sort of not to get submitted, it's fairly easy to do. Like you can, yeah. you can defend and defend and defend. You're going to lose the fight, but you're going to defend and defend and defend. Whereas it was like, well, I, ha- I had to try and find a way to get the finish when he was just playing that really defensive game, but I'm fine with it. My, you know, I've got four fights on my UFC contract now and I'm planning to be there a hell of a lot longer than that. So I've, I've, I've got a chance to show everybody my skill set now, regardless. Does it give you confidence that you won with almost like your secondary skill? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm, I, I consider myself like an MMA fighter. I've said this a couple of times after the fight. I'll take the path of least resistance wherever it goes. You know, if if, if there's a fight where I feel like I'm going to be able to take this guy down and sub him, I'm going to do that. You know, if I feel like there's a fight where I'm going to be able to pick a guy pick a guy apart on the outside, I'm going to do that. If I feel like i got to get in and get dirty and work the body, then I'll do that. There's there's horses for courses. Now, mate, stepping away uh, from your fight, what actually uh, encouraged you to get into the sport of MMA to begin with? Um, well, I, my elder brother was fighting at a local kickboxing gym up in Bacchus Marsh, up at Ziggy's gym, and... Um, he one day he he was sort of showing me how to throw leg kicks and I was like, geez, this is pretty fun. I might go up with you. And then he took me up to the gym and I just loved it. Loved. I, I was I was fairly naturally um, quick at picking it up. The kickboxing, like I've found that I I could move and throw punches and kick and and pick up the techniques we were getting taught relatively quickly. And then um, 
I was like, right now I want to, I, I want to do MMA. So it, we used to just do MMA up at the kickboxing gym. We used to watch YouTube videos of how to do certain moves when, when there wasn't much on YouTube. And then, um, you know, that was how I got started in MMA and eventually found a jiu-jitsu coach and then just been at it since then. Now, mate, where does the nickname come from? This is one of the most confusing things for me of all time, and I and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Far Jack, obviously, uh, Far Lap, the, the great racehorse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the great racehorse. Um, and uh, Far Lap, famous for having a big heart and uh, not uh, not giving up. And that was kind of a, one of my coaches kind of – bestowed that upon me one day when I was rolling with a heap of guys who are a fair bit older and a fair bit more experienced than me and I just sort of wouldn't quit. Just sort of a dogged attitude. Do you uh are you one of those guys that subscribes to nicknames or are you like don't call me that? No, nah, no, nah, I'm around it. I'm up for whatever. People people can call me whatever they want as long as they're talking about me. <laughs> no mate, uh like you said you're going to stick around the UFC for a very long time and and after seeing you fight, I, I can't imagine you you won't be here for a very long time. Who's your dream fight? Mm, I think I think my dream fight eventually is the is the fight that I think is the hardest fight for me. And you know you can you can beat around the bush all you want, but styles make fights. And I think a really tough stylistic matchup for me is Max Holloway. I think you know his length and his boxing would make it really hard for me to you know employ the things that I do really well. Um, so I think I think down the road a chance to fight Max Holloway for me would be huge, and I'd love to do it in Hawaii or or in Australia because he you know he's he's been begging for a fight in Hawaii. So maybe if they can pull that off by the time I, I've I've earned my stripes enough to to warrant a, a fight with someone like that, that'd be great. Is there anyone that you could sort of um, uh, describe your game to be like? If someone goes, who does Jack fight like? Um, I, like, I think if you went, if you go and watch, I feel like I'm probably, you know, I like, I'd like to sit myself somewhere between like a Jose Aldo and a TJ Dillashaw. Um, you know, I'd like to move my, move my head and move my feet a bit more like TJ, but left hook and leg kick a lot like Jose Aldo. Um, so I kind of based a lot of my game coming up off of those two guys, but as, as you do that, you sort of blend it into your own style. So now I kind of move in a way that's pretty unique to me and go on both stances and that sort of thing. Now, mate, if you could give any advice to some up-and-coming fighters, what would it be like? Uh, And more specifically as well, how did the Contender Series stuff come about? You know, did you fill in a form? Did you get an agent? Like, what happened? Um, Well, for the first one, like advice for young fighters um, is just – um, find find a place like a gym, you know, whether it's the one you're at now or it's not, and and commit to it, and commit to trying to build like uh, a bit of a culture and a team around that is enjoyable for you, because fighting is hard enough as it is, and you see it with all the all the guys who are from big teams who do well. There's always a bit of camaraderie around it, yeah. around like we train and then we go eat and we're all eating our shitty salads because we've got to make weight, but at least we're doing it together. And we're all drinking our black coffee, but at least we're doing it together. Um, and so that would be my advice is find somewhere where you can in, get enjoyment out of the the basic days that you've just got to do over and over and over again. 
um, as opposed to trying to look for some magic ingredient that's gonna that's gonna take you to the top. Find it, find some boys that you like hanging out with and who you push each other and 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 stick with them with some good coaches and and go for it. And uh, and how did uh, how did the contender fight happen? Uh, contender series was after I fought on it. I defended my belt again on Eternal. Um, we had meetings with uh, a lot of different management companies, and um, and uh, then we, we ended up signing with with Paradigm, and then um, we made contact, and we were getting told, "Yep, you'll be on Contender, you'll be on Contender, you'll be on Contender," and then we eventually got to the point where we just couldn't wait any longer. So we signed to fight again on Eternal. Um, but obviously all the eternal contracts have the get out clause that if you yeah. get signed by a major promotion, you can leave. Um, so, and I signed, I think I signed the contract for eternal on Friday. And then I found out on Sunday that I'd got the call up for contender series. So it's, it was almost like a carrot in, in terms of like sign with us, like we're a bigger company type thing. We might be able to get you there. Is that what a lot of managers end up doing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the case. It's just, like uh, the ability to have have the contacts with the UFC yeah. because these guys kind of build themselves, you know, and at least in my case, Tim Simpson's built himself a reputation as being someone who is knowledgeable and and especially of, of talent. So he, he recognizes talent. So if Tim says to the UFC, "Hey, I've got this guy Jack, yeah. and he's quite talented," then that that holds holds uh, that holds a bit of weight. But in saying that, you you can only work with what you got. For yeah. fighters, you've got to get out there and you've just got to win fights. You got to put you got to put win streaks together in a row. You got to you know get out, put yourself out there, and do as much media and stuff as you can to to make yourself you know hireable in a sense by the UFC. Yeah. Now, mate. Finally, first of all, I, I appreciated the time. Uh, it's good to finally actually sit down and and have a chat with you. But I just wanted to ask: when it's all said and done, how does Jack Jenkins want to be remembered? Uh, good, good striking and a large bank account. <laughs> Absolutely love it, mate. Uh, well, I, I, could, I would wish you luck, but you really don't need it. It's been an honour to watch you up until this moment, and, and I can't wait to see you shine on the big stage, mate. Thanks heaps. Thanks very much for having me, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Jack Jenkins. I mean, how good. If if there's one guy that when you talk to you can just you can just feel that he has it he has he has there's something about him man when you when you get in the same room as him or or you, you chat to him on the phone he is there's just there's something in his eyes man I don't know what it is but I really do feel that he is going to go far uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him at uh, UFC 284. Of course, you can follow Jack Jenkins on Instagram. I want to thank both the boys, Jack Jenkins and Shannon Ross, for coming on today. And I hope you guys enjoyed episode two of Triple MMA. Of course, you can follow me at Mitchell Tinley on Instagram. Or if you want to get involved in the show, Triple MMA underscore on Instagram. And please, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you tell your friends. And I'll see you next week, Friday. 9am Australian Western Standard Time for Episode 3 of Triple MMA.